Good morning, church. Here we are, second Sunday of lockdown, and look at us thriving and doing well. Look at the church growing and expanding. Look at, look at the kingdom of God that cannot be stopped, enlarging all over the place. Look at all your family and friends that you've reached out to and loved and how they've come into coming to more of a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Look at the way that God has blessed you. I'm hearing the testimonies all over the place. In fact, two of the testimonies that I want to share with you. First of all, let me introduce you to Debbie. Debbie battled to fall pregnant, wasn't able to fall pregnant, had all kinds of medical interventions. Nothing worked. One of our church members by the name of Jack worked with her. They were colleagues, and he went ahead and prayed for her. It was before lockdown, so he was able to lay hands on her. And here we have the results. The God results of us stepping in and believing God. Us stepping into impossible situations with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. There we have her twins that were born recently, a little boy and a little girl. Those miracle twins stand as a testimony to the fact that God answers prayer. That God does the impossible. There's no such thing as impossible situations in God. With Christ in you, there is victory on the horizon in unusual and spectacular ways. So there you go. Look what he did. Such beautiful little children destined for the kingdom and for greatness. Another lovely testimony is that our MSA campus, MSA shut down at the, uh, the week before lockdown. Uh, all the students were asked to go home. Many of our students were not able to go home. So the majority of them actually stayed here and they just found housing off campus and they are in lockdown in various places around the campus. Our campus leader, Teddy, unwilling to stop or bow down to voices that would tell her to give up. She began to reach out telephonically and electronically to the students, calling them, sending out uh, small group material, asking them to reach out to their friends. She reached out to people she knew. And before you know it, our connect groups on MSA campus have gone from 3 to 13. Our numbers have more than doubled. In fact, they've multiplied two and a half times the amount of people we're reaching on that campus. It's phenomenal. It's exciting. It's, it's an example of God moving despite us or despite the limitations around us, should I say. He's moving through us despite the limitations around us. Remember at the beginning of the year, we said this was a year of making space for grace. Some of what we're going through is that very thing. The things that you can't get to, God can still get to. All he's asking for you is to continue to believe and continue to act in line with the belief that you have in him. And in so doing, spectacular things are going to happen as his grace combines with your obedience and does beautiful and amazing things. We are talking about, from First Peter, we are continuing our series called Beautiful Transformation. We trust in God over the season to see transformations in us, but also transformations in the lives of people around us. Remember, we are focusing on this book because Peter was speaking to a people undergoing cultural upheaval. The similar kind of difficulties to us, not the exact same, but similar kind of difficulties, financial hardship, um, just in situations where the things that used to work just didn't work anymore, that they had to recalibrate, reformulate their lives. And Peter talking to them and saying, 
This is how you live in those difficult situations. And as you live like that, there is a powerful God that is on your side who, who combines, as I said earlier, his, your obedience with his grace, his empowering presence to do what could not be done before. And we see the corresponding successful lives filled with victory, filled with the good things of the kingdom. So we are speaking from chapter 3, starting in verse 14, the second half. He says this to them, have no fear of them. That's the difficult circumstances that are around them, the persecution they're experiencing. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. I want to commend so many of you. I've testimony after testimony coming to me of people who have reached out to their neighbors during this time or who have found out that uh, or had a phone call from someone far off who said, I know you're a Christian and over the years you've shared about Christ with me and I want to know more now. And this is, this is what the scripture is talking about. It's talking about a people living a kind of lifestyle that when people see it, it just doesn't measure up to the kind of lifestyle they're experiencing or the kind of life situation they're experiencing. It's an anomaly to them. They're asking these questions. Why in times of trouble do you have so much joy? Why in these difficult times in the face of these relational problems, in the face of these financial problems, instead of pulling into yourself and um, hiding and self-preserving, how do you remain so generous? How do you how do you, in times when there is bad news all, the, all around, how do you stay rejoicing and worshiping? How at times when it's easy to just take care of yourself, are you reaching out to your neighbors, reaching out to the people around you, giving them calls, caring about them? What makes your life so different from mine? How do you live in the kind of joy and peace that you're experiencing despite the difficulties that are surrounding you. And Peter is, is speaking directly into this kind of situation. He's saying, this is how you live that kind of life. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. I love how he starts, have no fear and no, don't be troubled. The first key to living like this, or the first key that he's elucidating is how to live free from fear. He's saying that in Christ, we are free to be brave. In the face of onslaught, we are free to be confident. We're free to be, be joyful. We're free to be loving. We're free of fear. Now, fear has a number of faces, so to speak. Fear is the intimidation you feel in in light of that controlling or angry boss. Fear is the stress you feel in situations that feel out of your control and you feel like oh, things are being asked of you that you do, don't have capacity to give. Fear is the face of failure looming. Fear is the face of worry and anxiety of what will happen in the future. Fear has many faces. But in the light of these many faces, fear in addition has a voice. Fear is that voice that, that speaks into your heart and into your mind, those, those whispers, you're not going to make it. You're not good enough. There is danger in the future. Something, something bad, excuse me, something bad is about to happen. 
Fear is that voice that creeps into your soul and speaks about your future in a way that is dismal and hopeless. Fear is far more than an emotion that you simply feel rising in your heart. Fear has a voice and it comes, with, it comes at you with a face of intimidation, a face of hopelessness, worthlessness, a face of impending doom, impending failure. And yet, fear is a defeated enemy. Fear is a defeated enemy. Fear is the lying voice of the devil trying to steal the victory you already have. Many of you have played sport in the past. I used to play hockey. And I remember one of the things we were taught is that when the opponents are coming at you and they're going to get the ball from you, you do something called a dummy move. That means you, t you pretend to go right and you really go left. You intend to pass the ball, but you don't pass. You look like you're intending to pass the ball, but you don't pass the ball. What you do is you do a dummy move that throws the opponent off and they move to the wrong side. They make the wrong move so that you can get past and go ahead and do what you need to do. Fear is that very thing. Fear is the thing that tries to come and uh, throws dummy moves at you that tries to get you to move in the wrong direction. It throws statements at you like you're going to fail. So it gets you to self-preserve, to pull in, to, to stop the, the things in life that make for success. Fear is that very thing that tries to throw you off track from what God has called you to. The very voice of the Spirit of God inside of you that has, that has been calling. That very feeling inside of you that, that you are destined for something great. That your life is meant to mean something. Is the voice of the Spirit of the living God inside of you. Teaching you how to live out your life in this world. Teaching you how to love well. Teaching you how to how to be generous and giving in everything you do, teaching you how to be brave in reaching people, giving you words of wisdom where you could not have them before. This, this presence of God in us, leading us towards righteousness that's alive and well in our hearts. Fear comes to throw and tr try and drown out that voice and try and get us to move in a direction that will lead us away from the victory that is already ours. When Jesus rose from the cross, uh, a victory was set in motion that is unstoppable, that cannot be set aside. It's a victory that's already, it's already accomplished and it simply requires you to stay in Christ, walk in obedience, follow him, and you will walk into the victory that has already been prepared for you. God has already walked through this, this contagion. He's already walked through this lockdown. He's already been here and won. He's already lived in your home. He's already walked through the, the pressures and the difficulties that you are feeling right now. And he won in them. He chose every time to make the right step, to do the right thing. And he's offering that victory to you free of charge. Christ not only lived the life you should have lived, he lived the life you should have lived as you. He went to the cross as you. You died on that cross and you were resurrected with him. What does that mean? It means that, that inside of you, the Christ in you, that hope of glory that is living with inside, inside of you has already made the right choices. He's already got the victory that you can simply step into that victory. You can hear his voice. You can live out what he's already gone before you in. What does that mean? It means you're free to be brave. You're free to be who you were called to be. You're free to let loose to that, that significant, strong Jesus Christ person inside of you. It doesn't mean that you're Jesus. It means that he's living inside of you and he's living out a life that is so beautiful, so profound, so victorious. 
And you don't have to work hard at it. You simply have to step into it. Follow it and do it. And victory is assured because he's already been there. He's already been there. The loving and liberating lordship of Jesus Christ replaces the dictatorship of fear. What does this mean? It means when Peter was writing to these people, he said, don't be afraid. So he's telling them not to be afraid. But then he says, in your hearts, set aside Christ as Lord. Allow, allow the revelation of Christ's lordship to be paramount. Do you know that fear has a face and fear is a voice, but fear is also a master. Fear dictates, fear intimidates, fear tries to drive you to so certain courses of actions. Fear, um, fear manipulates your thought life and as a consequence tries to lead you into ways of acting and ways of behaving that are hurtful and difficult and have harmful consequences for the people around you and for you. It's a master that tries to dictate how you will live. But we have this glorious, glorious choice that instead of submitting to the dictates of fear, we can submit to the loving, liberating lordship of Jesus Christ. In our hearts, we can set aside Jesus Christ as Lord. We can, we can create this holy place where Jesus Christ is, is raised up and lives as supreme and above all. We can live every day obeying his precepts. We can walk in the ways of the kingdom. And as a result, we can live in a victory that has already been won for us. Living under the lordship of Jesus Christ means two things for me. It means being known for your faith. It means in times of trouble, you don't cow down to the, the, the cower down to the the voices of the world and um, give in to the pressures of the world. You stand up and you're known for your faith. When people ask you why you live the way you do, you say because it's Jesus. You are open and honest with the people around you about what you believe and why you live the way you do. You share in your faith. You praying for people when they need it. You are declaring the goodness and the greatness of God at every opportunity. To be known for your faith. 1 John 5 verse 4 says this. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Isn't that lovely? It means that when we choose to believe that about this victory that has already been won in Christ. If we choose to believe that. It's like our faith. Believing that causes us to step into it. How lovely is that? Is that all it takes is for you to say yes I believe you God. And in so doing, that victory becomes ours. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, our choosing to believe that Jesus is right and true and in charge. Next thing about the Lordship of Jesus Christ is that we do what he says. He didn't mince words. In Luke 6, 46, he says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? I think it's the malaise of the church right now. We have a, a church across the world that is proclaiming Jesus as Lord in their words and living just like the world lives in their actions. And I, I hear Jesus' voice resounding over the world. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? To have Jesus as Lord is means that because he said, make disciples, I make disciples. Because he said, love your neighbor, I love my neighbor. Because he said, forsake anger, bitterness, worry, fear, I forsake those things. 
When he said, given, it will be given to you. I give and I trust that it will be given to me. I, I live out the precepts of Jesus Christ. I live out the, the, the model that he lived here on earth. When he said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you, I go out with the expectation that as I speak of this kingdom that has come, that there will be signs and wonders that will follow the proclamation of, of what I say, that people around me will get healed, people around me will see miracles in their lives, people who can't have babies will have babies, people whose businesses are failing will, will come right, people's marriages who are in a disastrous state will be repaired because I stood in faith for them and I, I followed the precepts of Jesus. I proclaimed this kingdom, this kingdom in which things are set right. The loving and liberating lordship of Jesus Christ replaces the dictatorship of fear. The next thing we want to do is we need to be ready to defend the hope we have. Ready to defend the hope we have. Peter says to them, be ready for this. Do this. Defend the hope he's, you have. What is he saying? As I said before, is that the world was looking at these people and saying, how in the face of calamity are you able to have that much joy and you're able to have that much peace? You're able to be that loving, that considerate of others, that generous how are you able to live like this in the face of these calamities? I, I love this scripture in Romans 4 verse 18. It says this, talking about Abraham, in hope he believed against hope. Some translations say against all hope, in hope he believed, that he should become the father of many na nations. You remember that God had given him a promise, even though he was childless, that he was going to be the father of many nations. And the Bible says that even in, when it appeared hopeless, when there was no reason around him, uh, around him to believe that God was going to fulfill his promise, still Abraham believed. And that's what hope looks like. Hope looks like when everything around you doesn't, doesn't speak of a beautiful future for you. You still believe that there's a beautiful future for you. When, when everything around you speaks of something bad about to happen, you refuse to believe that and you, and you bring to mind the, the hope of what God has said. And you live for that. You act as if that is going to happen. I, I have this picture in my mind about the kingdom of God. Jesus said, that it was like a mustard seed. And he said that although it was the tiniest seed, that it, it's like a mustard seed, it would grow into a, a giant tree that the birds of air would, would come and rest in. And what he was saying, he was saying, you can't hold back the kingdom of God. It might start small. It might start as simply as a, a word or a, a saying or you standing up for um, what's right and true in your environment. The kingdom of God might invade your environment as a, small, as a small beginning, but it never stops. You can't hold back the kingdom. You can't hold back the goodness of God. It continues to grow. It keeps going. It keeps expanding. There is nothing that can be done to stop it. When Jesus rose from the dead, he initiated something so powerful, so unstoppable. He initiated a new world order that will culminate in everything being set right. Listen to me, church. If I could say that it, this again a thousand times and scream it from the rooftops, God is doing a good thing on this earth. He is not the author of calamity. He is not punishing the world through this virus. 
He's raising up his church to stand as a bastion against this virus. He's raising up his church as a, as a, as a, a giant force to enforce the, the victory that he's already won. And that daily, unstoppably, unstoppably, God's goodness is invading this world. People are hearing about him. People are knowing him. People are being changed. The world is being transformed. Do not listen to the lies. Do not jump on that bandwagon of God angrily punishing the world. Jesus Christ stood in the place of all the evil of this world and he took it. He took the punishment. He took the degradation. He took the judgment so that he could initiate something new. He could initiate a world under the governance of Jesus Christ. And the church is meant to stand in that place and cause that to grow and be expanded in our environment. God is a loving and good God. And God is bringing about his goodness and his, his correction of all things broken his healing of all things broken, his correction of all things wrong. He's bringing about a godliness and a world order that is filled with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, just as a mustard seed, as a, a plant grows, I, I'm, I often think about the roots of plants that are planted near paving or, or brick, brick surfaces and how when that plant is left to itself, as it begins to grow, it starts off very much weaker and smaller than the paving around it. But as it continues to grow, its roots push up the, the asphalt, push up the tar, push up the bricks, push up the cement and the concrete. And eventually they, those roots just crack it and obliterate it and a giant tree stands there victorious over the hardness of its environment. And this is what the kingdom of God is like. Once, once it has got its got its seed into that place, you can be assured that it will break up the fallow ground. It will destroy the evil. It will make, make new ground. It will, it will become a tree that refreshes and brings life. We have this hope. We have this hope, church. Romans 5 verse 2 says this, Through him... We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Why do we have this hope? Because, because when we believe Jesus, we stood in a new place, a place of grace. What is that place of grace? That is the presence and the power of God inside of you, enabling you to do what you could not do before. We've been speaking about this a whole year. What does it mean? It means you stand in the place of lack and you bring your five loaves and your two fish and God multiplies it. It means that you stand in the face of broken relationships and you speak love and life and God fixes it. It means you stand in the, in the face of brokenness and hardship out, out there and you speak about Jesus and people get saved. It means that you stand in the face of, of financial difficulty and you speak life into those places and things come right. Why? Because it's, it's a God thing. It's no longer us. It's the power of God inside of us changing things. We have hope because we are standing in the place of grace. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, Peter tells us. We have this call and this, this anointing and this identity that we stand in. 
and it changes things. It matters that you live out who you are. And the hope you have of the future drives you towards certain behavior. Your view of what is coming drives you towards certain behavior. If you believe that evil is in your future, you will live a certain way and it won't be good. But if you believe that there is goodness and hope for your future, you will live free, unburdened. You will live generous, alive, reaching out, loving people. Why? Because you're assured of a good future. 1 Peter 3 verse 18 is perhaps the best rendition of the gospel in the New Testament, in my opinion. It's the most succinct and easily stated rendition of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ. It says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. 1 Peter 3 verse 18. You know, Peter said that they were to defend this hope that they had. My fear is that in many places, the church is not being asked to defend the hope they have because no one can tell they have a hope. <laughs> that they, they are speaking as negatively as the world around them, sometimes even more negatively than the world around them. They're speaking judgment, doom, and gloom about the future. And yet God is calling us to speak about a hope that we have for the future. And he's asking us to defend it, that hope that we have. We will never be called on to defend anything that we haven't spoken about, that people don't know about. And so I want to exhort you, church, at this time, do not step away from reaching out to the people around you. There are fearful, afraid people around you who are desperately in need of a word of hope. They desperately need to know that there is something in the future for them. They definitely desperately need to hang on to what God, that there's something good for them, that God actually knows them, that he cares about them, that he's seen, seen their situation. Church, they're all around you. They're just a phone call away. They're a, they're a WhatsApp message away. Get out your phones. Make those calls. When someone's laid on your heart, call them. When, when someone comes to mind, send them a WhatsApp. Invite them to a, a WhatsApp video call. Invite them into a, a games night in your family. I don't know. Find a way. Find a way to reach out to these people. They are desperate to know. I, um, I've had so many examples from you guys of how people in this time have actually called you up and said, you know what, I want to get my life right in light of everything that's going on. And I know you're a Christian. I know you've spoken about it in the past. Can you tell me how to, get, how to turn things around? How do you live right? Sometimes they don't say they want Jesus. They just say, I, I want to live right. And at that moment, you've been ready with the gospel. You've been ready with the truth of Jesus Christ because you've been actually proclaiming it and sharing it and demonstrating it for years in the, in the life of this, these people. So I want to encourage you to continue to step into that because we have a hope. Here's the thing I want you to know is that your future is beautiful. Your future is is filled with good things. No matter what you are facing now, there is a God who's already been there and he's made a way for you. He's made a way for you. So in conclusion, 1 Peter 3, 14 and 15, as we look at the beautiful transma transformation, our summary is this, even in difficulties, we are free to be brave and ready to defend the hope we have in Christ. And so Father, I just want to pray 
for everyone watching this podcast, Lord God, you're so faithful. Lord God, it seems I have one message in this time. Believe God. Believe God. Don't give in to the lies of the enemy. Don't listen to the messages of fear. Be wise, but also be courageous. Be courageous. Lord God, I pray for everyone out there, Lord God. Father God, that they would hear the voice of the Spirit inside of them, reminding them of all the promises you've given them, reminding them of the beautiful future they have, of the loveliness that you have for them, of the profound future that awaits them. Lord God, let them not lose sight of that. As they take the next step in Jesus Christ, as they walk through tomorrow and the day after them, after that, let them walk in faith. Let them walk with a, with a profound hope in their heart of what is coming. Lord God, I ask for a grace to be on every person, Lord God, that they would live out the fullness of who they are in Christ Jesus, that they would not give in to the lies, that they're a failure, that they're no good, that they're overwhelmed. But Lord God, they would listen to the voice of wisdom, the voice of truth, the voice of love, the liberating, loving lordship of Jesus Christ that they would do what you say, they would follow you and they would walk in obedience. And as they do, Lord God, I, I want to speak to every heart here and say, miracles are your portion. Those walls that stand before you, I break them right now. There are people right now, you are fa facing financial impossibilities. I am standing here with you and I'm saying, walls, you must fall down. As we walk around those walls, shouting the praises of Jesus Christ, we command those walls of lack to fall in Jesus' name. Those of you, you that are facing physical infirmity right now I speak to that mountain and I command it to move in Jesus name you will not live in that person's life we see the victory that Christ has already won that by his stripes you are healed and I proclaim it right now even now I'm seeing someone getting healed someone just pain leaving their body and I just want to proclaim that this is the this is the message of the cross this is the good news we bring and the good news is this is that Jesus died and he's no longer on that cross. He's resurrected and he's alive. Death could not hold him down. Your sickness cannot hold you down. Your despair cannot hold you down. The, the difficulties around you cannot hold you down. Lord Jesus, I proclaim this over every person. I just declare into the life of this church and everyone they touch that people are getting saved, that people are coming to know you, that new life is coming, that sickness, disease, poverty are being vanquished in Jesus' name, that the wisdom and creativity of the kingdom is coming to everyone, that, Lord God, we are walking in the, in the shoes or in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, doing the works he did, living the life he lived, because he lived it on our behalf. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a glorious week. We'll see you soon.